Tapping the keg daily is live for Wednesday. It is October 4th. We're going to talk about Corbin Burns failing to deliver in a big moment. Fact and fiction from game one. We're also going to discuss Bucks Media Day and the people that will influence the Packers beating the Las Vegas Raiders next Monday night. Before we get going, just a reminder, social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok, Facebook too. I'll uh, be hanging out at the Burger game again tomorrow, today. Uh, I was there yesterday. Uh, not, doing, not, not a ton of content. I'll tweet a little bit, uh, but not a ton for the people. I probably should do more with Instagram stories, but that's another story for another time. Uh, we'll talk to our social media manager uh, in that regard. Uh, if you are already doing your social media thing, where you make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, Good Pods, Overcast, wherever else you get your podcast, we are there. If you're already subscribed, drop, drop it in the group chat. Let everybody be miserable together after this bad brewer loss, and we will talk about it. Corbin Burns, fact and fiction, we'll get into it all, and let's start right now. I felt pretty good heading into this game. I, I wouldn't say that I, I felt nervous, right? Uh, I think that I feel nervous for Bucks playoff games. I feel nervous for Packer playoff games for sure. Uh, but this Brewer playoff, I wasn't exactly that nervous before I got to the ballpark. When I was at in the ballpark, my heart was thumping for those first two innings. Uh, the first inning that Corbin Burns pitched. But I felt okay about it. I felt like I had done the research on Arizona. I felt like they had kind of had a rough second half. I felt like the Brewers could take advantage of that. And then randomly, as I'm heading to my father's house to go to the game, I hear Garth Brooks' uh, I Got Friends in Low Places, which is Corbin Burns' walk-up song. And it came on randomly. I was flipping through channels. It was on 96.5. And comes on, and I'm blaring it down the old the old street that I used to drive on all the time where my parents still live in the house that I grew up in. And I'm like, fuck, we're winning this game. Like, Corbin Burns is going to be awesome. Like, this is a sign. I believe this to be true. And sometimes my dumb superstitions, sometimes my dumb signs, vibes can be completely thrown off. And Corbin Burns failed to deliver. Corbin Burns failed to bring it home in a massive moment where the area of opportunity could not have been larger. Corbin Burns was facing Brandon Path. He wasn't facing Merrill Kelly. He wasn't facing Zach Gallant. He was facing a rookie who has a ton of promise and might be good next year and the year beyond and is a future integral part of the Arizona Diamondbacks. But he was facing Corbin Burns and he had struggled all year. Corbin Burns was spotted a 3-0 lead after Fat struggled early on, gave up a home run to Tyrone Taylor, as well as a run in the first inning. 3 nothing would have been good enough for the Texas Rangers, would have been good enough for the Philadelphia Phillies, would have been good enough for the Minnesota Twins. They all threw their aces. Jordan Montgomery for Texas, Philadelphia, Zach Wheeler, Minnesota, Pablo Lopez. I would argue that all of those pitchers are not as good as Corbin Burns, just on stuff alone, right? But today they were, when they needed it the most. And the Brewers did not get that out of their ace. And that is crushing. That is absolutely just demoralizing as a fan. And I can understand if you're commiserating. I can understand if you're down in the dumps. Now, I will tell you not to give up, but that will be later in the show. I still can understand the fact that, wow, we have this guy that won the NL Cy Young, 
that has had some incredible years with the Brewers, but has seemingly not been the guy to grab a game by the dick. He does not do that. The great pitchers in baseball do that. The Greg Maddoxes of the world. The Even Garrett Cole, right? Garrett Cole's had some good playoff moments. Uh, I'm trying to think of other, you know, oh, Baumgartner is the best example of that. The guy, the, that guy doesn't just grab the balls he, or grab the dick. He grabs the balls. He grabs everything. He grabs the whole kit and caboodle. Like, they, those are, Zach Wheeler, look at Zach Wheeler's last three starts. He's been incredible. It, and it's like, that's all we want for Corbin Burns. Corbin didn't need to be lights out. He didn't need to strike out nine or 10 batters, but he just needed to get outs. He needed to get the Brewers to the bullpen. Yet the Diamondbacks work counts, Burns walks Geraldo Perdomo, and then he gives up an absolute piss missile from to Corbin Carroll that goes 440 some feet. And then immediately after, and you can't even blink, he gives up a home run to Kettle Marte that sneaks over the right field wall. Like we were all like, what the fuck had just happened when he gave up the home run to Corbin Carroll and then see the next one go out, it was terrible. And hearing the cheers from the Arizona suite, which was right above us, was maybe the worst part of this game. Honestly, it might've been worse than Corbin Burns because you could hear them directly cheering. They can cheer, they can do whatever the fuck they want. But it's, it, it was just frustrating at that moment to see Corbin Burns struggle. And yeah, I know he wasn't getting a low strike. It was not the best officiated game that we've seen, right? The ump was not giving him that low strike and there was frustration. You know, uh, I think it was Jeff Levering pointed out and I was able to hear this as I was getting a beer saying, oh, the Brewers are chirping at Rippinger for his strike zone. And they're chirping that they're, they're just frustrated. And likely they're hearing that from Burns and Contreras. And Burns did not keep his composure. Burns did not try to find another way to get guys out. I understand it was a battle. The Diamondbacks do not let up. They struck out the 26th, so the fourth lowest strikeout total for the month of September. They work fucking counts. They absolutely work your ass, okay? There's a reason why this was the team that nobody wanted to play. I was a little dubious of that. I stated my facts on Monday. I still stand by some of that because there's a world where the Brewers have a huge inning in the multiple opportunities that they had and they win this game, even if things go off the rails, they, they could have scored eight or nine runs in this baseball game and won nine to six and something crazy like that. But they didn't. Instead, they got three runs, even though everything points to the Brewers should have had at least double that, maybe even triple. But going back to Corbin Burns, he's just not the guy. He's just not that ace. Corbin Burns is not that guy. He just isn't. He is not the ace that we want him to be. He is not Pedro Martinez. He's not Maddox. He's not Randy Johnson. He's none of those guys. He is not an elite level pitcher, especially in the postseason. He might be elite during the regular season, but it is not anything during the postseason. And everybody has sold their Corbin Burns stock. There's not one person that has Corbin Burns stock. Everyone is out on the Corbin Burns experience. And I think with his comments made earlier in the year, with the struggles that he had early on where he was ignoring what the Brewers coaches were trying to have him do, to now this, it was a C-plus season from Corbin Burns. And this is, it's just unacceptable. And he was the third 
best pitcher of the Brewers this year. Now, do I fault the Brewers for rolling him out game one? No, I don't. Because I think that was the right move. I think that was the move that made sense and that you'd roll out Peralta or Woodruff. And I know Brandon Woodruff got hurt. And we didn't talk about that. And that that is disappointing. But you would have rolled out Woodruff had you lost. And you would have rolled out Peralta had you won. And then Woodruff was your anchor. And you've lost your anchor. And Corbin Burns needed to pick up that anchor. And he couldn't fucking do it. That's the part that hurts the most. Now, could he have a redemption arc if the Brewers come back against Merrill Kelly and Zach Allen? Absolutely. Playoffs are all about that, right? We've seen guys just completely be a mess in a first round or a second round, and then suddenly they come back around and they find themselves. But I think everybody is, is out on the idea of Corbin Burns. This needed to be his game, and he came up small. That just can't happen from an ace. Trading Corbin Burns should be the Brewers' top priority this winter. Uh, I I don't really care about Brandon Woodruff's health. I worry about the shoulder. I think if anything, if the Brewers feel like these are injuries that are preventable going forward, they should give him a sweetheart deal and say, hey, we'll take care of you just in case everything's fucked and give him like a one-year extension for like $25 million. So that Woodruff is there for a yet another year and gives him that opportunity to be the ace of the staff. And then you could trade Corbin Burns for ready-to-go major league talent. I said to a group chat today, Corbin Burns for Pete Alonzo, who says no? Probably the Mets, because Stearns doesn't want to necessarily give up uh, Pete Alonzo to his former team. But who knows, right? Uh, Corbin Burns should be dealt to any of the big markets. They'll freak out. They'll be like, we got Corbin Burns, we got Corbin Burns. But they'll realize that this guy isn't that dude. He is, he just is not. And maybe the Brewers will take a step back pitching wise. But if you look at their cupboard, it's not bare without Corbin Burns. They still have a lot of options on the table. If Woodruff's healthy, Freddie Peralta, a healthy Aaron Ashby will be back next season. Robert Gasser, who will probably be ready next year. Jacob Mizorowski, who will be ready next year could bring back Wade Miley, could bring back Adrian Hauser. They will be fine without Corbin Burns. And I just, I, I think it's time. And I, I was in on the idea of the Brewers just running it back next year because I, I think the talent with the young roster, whether it's Tyler Black, Jackson Trio, Mizorowski, Gasser, like I was like, okay, a blend of young and old, and it's just the, the perfect mix, and the window is still kind of open slightly if these young guys perform. But now I'm out. Now I'm now I'm out of the idea of Burns, at least. They can still do that, but why not get some better offensive talent? Make sure that you can replace Mark Canna if you're not gonna pick up the $12 million option. If you want to replace Carlos Santana, or if you want to play replace other parts of what you have. Tyrone Taylor could be an interesting piece to go with Corbin Burns as part, like this deal could be very, very fascinating to see how the Brewers play. But there's no way that Corbin Burns should find himself starting opening day for the Milwaukee Brewers in New York City of all places. Uh, It would be very ironic if he did go to the Mets because that's who the Brewers play in game number one. But it shouldn't be Corbin Burns. And it's disappointing that it's come to this. I hope that there's a redemption story. I hope that, you know, as the postseason goes on, if the Brewers turn this around, 
that they are able to have Corbin Burns live up to the hype in LA or in Atlanta or something else. But at this point, if the Brewers do in fact exit out early, it's all going to fall on Corbin Burns. Let's stay with the Brewer topic and move on to fact or fiction from game number one. Also, that might've been a little hard on Burns saying it's all his fault, but I mean, come on. I would say if I had to put the blame pie, if we had a blame pie out there, cooked by my wife, of course, I would say that Corbin Burns has 68, 69%, I know, of that pie, and then the rest of it goes to the Brewers not hitting the clutch. But I, I really feel like that three should have been enough, and it wasn't. And for the first time since, I think, July 8th, which is another game I was at, um, I, I might be the problem. And it was I was wearing the same shirt, I believe. I was against the Reds. They blew that game, and I was there for that. And I was there for the Cubs game that the last time Devin Williams gave up three runs. So maybe it's me. I'm the problem. But I'm going to be here today, so that's a, a conundrum in its own, own self. But anyways, let's go into fact and fiction. Just run through a few things that I have from the game, either observations or different little things beyond just Corbin Burns. Are we dead? Fiction. We are not dead. Okay? The Brewers are still very much in this thing. I know Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallon. I get it. I get that those guys are very good pitchers. I get that Zach Gallon might, might have won Cy Young had things worked out. It's interesting, right, that Vegas has us as a favorite. Brewers are minus 130 for the line against Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon, a couple Zach Gallon facts. He's never pitched in the postseason. There is no postseason experience for Zach Gallon. Freddy Peralta has had some postseason experience. He knows, he knows what it's about. Let me read you Zach Gallon's away splits for you. Just, just have, have a peek at this. I know he pitched well at American Family Field. I know what you're saying. That lineup was trash. He's 448, 5 and 6, 18 starts. So, and they actually had a couple more starts they did on the road than he did at home. 101 hits, 58 runs allowed. 15 home runs, that's double from what he had at home. 29 walks, that's more walks than he had at home. 100 strikeouts, 20 less. And opponents batted 245 against him, which is 15 points more. And his September was varied. He was 4-3, and 3-3 three, three and three ERA. Uh, he had 10 walks, which were the most walks he had in a, in a month besides May, which he had 11. He's had 19 walks in the last two months. And he's given up also eight home runs in that time frame which in his July was a complete match. Like, I'm not saying like Zach Gallon is a gas can, okay? I'm not calling him Gallon the gas can here. But I'm also not saying that Zach Gallon can't be beat, that they can't solve Zach Gallon here. And I, I just think they're, the door is open and they are not, they just need to win one. Just win one, get yourself feeling good. That place will be an absolute madhouse for Murakali, who also has some bad road splits. And then you take advantage. You take back this series. The Brewers will have the advantage in game number three. The Diamondbacks ran through a lot of their bullpen. So did the Brewers. I want to talk about that a little later. So they're relying a lot on Zach Allen to be the guy tomorrow. Or today, excuse me. Um, and I, we'll, we'll just see. I'm not... I'm not entirely sold, and you can call me a naive, biased fan, but that's all right. Yes, the Brewers as a team are hitting a grand total of 171 against them with 12 hits. They've not have a home run. Ronald Tapia is not walking through that door. 
that said, I still feel good. I still feel good. I still believe in them. And I'm not saying they're dead. All right, more fact and fiction for the people. The first inning felt like a turning point. Fact, the Brewers absolutely pounced path early in this game. Yelich gets a walk. I believe Contreras walked too. Uh, Santana got a single. And, and the Brewers had something going. They got a run in. Uh, it was it was going well. Uh, it looked like the Brewers were going to put together this massive inning to start the game and give Corbin Burns the ultimate cushion. Oh, instead, though, Canna strikes out, Freelick strikes out, Adonis strikes out, and Path gets out, out of the inning. And there were runners on... On first and second with no outs. And the Brewers could only muster a single run. That feels like such a big moment in the game. Because it had the Brewers got, you know, two more hits. And it's 3 nothing to start the game. And then you just kind of add on from there. The Diamondbacks are trailing from behind. And they might even have waved the right flag. They might have said, okay, well, we have Gallon and Kelly going. Like, it'll be fine. We'll get the, we'll get the one tomorrow. And instead, you know, they they stayed in the fight and that they were much better off for that. And they were able to they were able to win the game because of it. And the Brewers could have easily jumped all over them and things would have been different. Do you believe did you believe Evan Longoria would have the play of the game, even if I told you now? Fiction. Uh, funny story about Evan Longoria. So he's 38 years old. He's three years older than me. There's not, a lot of ba- there's not a lot of athletes that are older than me. So when I see an athlete's birthday that's older than me, I get excited. And I was making fun of him. And I was like, yeah, you got to test out old-ass Longoria. And then Evan Longoria makes two of the biggest plays of the game. He makes the diving stab at Tyrone Taylor's ball. That would have been a two-run single that I can't get out of my head because uh, I was on that side of, side of the field. It would have been 5-4 Brewers. They would have taken the lead. They would have had Christian Yelich coming up. To, to continue a big inning and Longoria snagged it out of the fucking moon. And then Longoria bobbles a play. Yelich thinks he's going to go throw it. Because he bobbles, he he doesn't throw it. He actually throws Yelich out. And instead of having runners on first and second with no outs and Carlos Santana up to the plate, Christian Yelich gets out. The Brewers do nothing in that inning. It's Evan Longoria. It's those guys, man. It's always those other guys it's never the stars it is always the other guys that somehow play a role in some of these games where craig council's gambles the right ones fiction look the jesse winker thing i didn't get at all i i will also say for those who are like well why did he pick winker over garrett mitchell it was not that simple let's think about rockstar construction here a little bit jesse winker was a replacement for roddy telez that's what Jesse Winker was there for. Raitelez does not really get on base. Raitelez has shown that his power has been completely zapped. Why? I don't know. So they brought Winker there to take pitches and to get on base. Now, what Jesse Winker did was he swung at the ball three times and struck out. He never really took a pitch. That to me is inexcusable. You are there. Your job is to get on fucking base. And you can't make contact. It's ridiculous. Council not pinch hitting for Bryce Trang in the sixth inning with the bases loaded. I, I I can't get that one also out of my head. That Bryce Trang had a major moment in this game 
and it looked like he was going to he was going to kind of, there was an opportunity to break it open he gets hit remember that's right before the double play and he gets hit and it's from Ryan Nelson and they take Ryan Nelson out of the game and they get the guy Thompson who is the side armor and it's like man if Trang if Trang gets hit there it is absolutely a a different story it's absolutely a different story of course it did not hit him I, I agree with that but how do you hit Trang there it's deep enough in the game we're in the fifth inning it might be a little early to go to go with another defender you're definitely risking it there but Andrew Monasterio how many clutch hits has Andrew Monasterio had this year let Andrew Monasterio grab a bat the guy at least makes contact even if you get a double play there odds are you're scoring that run unless it's really hit hard and they go home probably the Brewers luck it would but even if that happens, you're putting pressure on the team. You're getting another fast guy on the base path. Why get tight there? I get five, fifth inning is a little early, but the way that the game was flowing, that was such a major opportunity that they just absolutely pissed away. And then the other gamble is Devin Williams. First of all, I, I will, this is a side fact or fiction, fact or fiction with Josh Hader coming that game, fiction. Uh, okay, so I commend Devin Williams for going in and I commend Devin Williams for busting his ass in that inning and it was not pretty and, it, and I actually thought for a second that he got Christian Walker out. I was not tracking the ball well. I, I like did a fist bump and I'm like, wait a second. That ball went into the state. Like, I thought he got him. Just the way that the, the crowd made a sound. Maybe it was the Arizona people behind me that I heard. I don't know. But anyways, I... It, it, I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. And that was it. And he was so close to getting out of that inning too. And now he's had 31 pitches. They have two more games. If they were to win those two more games, they'd be in LA on Saturday. I don't know if you can pitch Devin Williams tomorrow. And maybe they've talked about it. Maybe there's a, a number, right? You want to make sure that he stays under that number for game three. I think it is breaking case of emergency for Devin Williams tomorrow, today. And if you need him tomorrow, I think he'll be ready. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely, definitely going to be tough um, without Devin Williams. And I will say this about gambles in the postseason. They, every manager does them, okay? It's it, the ultimate damned if you do, damned if you don't. There are all the buttons to push. Craig pushed the wrong ones today. Lavolo pushed the right ones, the Arizona manager. He he was out there like Tony La Russa. He did mound visits. They they did stuff to just control sort of the fans from ever getting going. And I want to I talk about that in a little bit here, the fan base that is. But yeah, I do not necessarily fault Craig Council for the gambles. I mean, the Winker one's weird, but I, I can make sense of it. Uh, but it's just, yeah, it's not great. Uh, do the Brewers weirdly struggle in bullpen games? Fact. I, I don't have a stat on that, but I just feel like they always seem to not play well when they're seeing just multiple pitchers. They would rather see a guy twice through, three times through, and really get a better understanding of what he is versus you know seeing different guys, different arm angles, different pitches, uh, and yeah, threw him off. Uh, not exactly great. Can you believe the Brewers' bats did a May and went silent? No, 
I, I again, that's like the Evan Longoria thing. I, if you were to tell me all the different outcomes, I, I just can't believe this fucking happened again. I, I really can't. Like, I, I am in stunned. Like, I was so delirious when I was doing the review that I said it was 4-3 that we lost. Like, I blacked out the fucking two last rounds. And, I again, I had been drinking, but not, like, obviously that's significant. And it was, like, just, I, I couldn't believe it, man. Like, it's just, it, it, to, for how good these last six weeks were, to have it be all over in two days is wild to me. It's, and it would be extremely disappointing. And again, we already talked, we've already litigated that. We don't need to go back to it. But yeah, man, that's, that's nuts. Um, old guys are great tailgaters. Fact. I went with my dad and two of his friends. I have their family friends, so I, I know the guys. And he, my dad got a bunch of playoff tickets. He's all in. I, I actually feel very bad for him if the, pack, the Brewers are lose. Because he said, he's like, I'm not ready to go full football yet. And I was like, yeah, I, I get it. The spread we had was great. They had tables, they had chairs, they took care of us. We had sausages, we had uh, a little andouille and shrimp skewer that you could put together that was fantastic. Uh, you know, chips, we had a, a nice, nice amount of beer, just a little cheese, like we had everything going. And just old guys know what the fuck they're doing. And, and it was it was not trying too hard. It was not trying to. It wasn't like, oh, we have some sandwiches and we're eating those. Which not a bad tailgate option, by the way. Uh, I don't shame. I've done that many times with my family, where we go get subs and then we eat them in the parking lot and drink beer and hang out. That's not a problem with that. But that's like more of a just hey, it's a quick and easy tailgate versus like a refined tailgate. This is a refined tailgate. Great job. Lastly. Crowd energy resembled the gold package. Fact and fiction. Okay, so it was quieter than I would have expected, but I think a couple things. Number one, we got kicked in the dick a lot tonight. I think everybody was exhausted. I think everybody was like, I can't believe this fucking happened. And it was just, it was more stunned than anything else. Uh, the other thing too is that, again, Tori Laveau, the Diamondbacks manager was just taking the air out of the game. Like he was playing four corners by mound visits, by getting guys out. You could see that the pitchers were instructed to throw over to first base to just sort of reset, to get everything not necessarily into a rhythm. This never got into a flow. It's a, and what's interesting, because it was poorly officiated, but it's like a poorly officiated college basketball game where you just see so many fouls and you're like, well, this isn't even fun. Like, this, isn't even, this is just a complete fucking foul fest. And that's what the, the game felt like today. Uh, if fiction, because there were some, there were some loud, like we got there, they were, it was very loud early on. It was loud for the Tyrone Taylor home run. It was loud when we you know made some big defensive plays, like the strike them out, throw them out for Pionis was great. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think it was as bad as people are going to make it out to be. I'll say shout out to the fan and I got to be better with this. Um, so I have a tendency when I'm at sporting events. I'll hear some dumb things from fans, actually all the time. And I mutter under my breath and I just say like, you know, I, I disagree with them because I'm just thinking about what they're saying and I'm like, wow, you're wrong. And at Lambo, like it flies because no one can kind of hear you. The noise is so loud around you that no one actually hears what you're saying. And I forget that American Family Field is 
pretty close to one another and it's pretty quiet. And I was like, this guy was like calling for the intentional walk of Tommy Pham for Christian Walker. Now, for those who might not be seam heads, Christian Walker has 33 home runs. He is an absolute beast. It's Abner Rebe, who's just getting settled in. And I just like, I'm like, why would you do that? Like, I was like, Christian Walker's 33 home runs. Don't do that. And I, I wasn't even me and me. And the guy lost his mind on me. Not surprising, my man looked like the type of guy who spends way too much time at a dive bar and likely gets blowjobs from hookers. So that like doesn't shock me in the slightest that this dude was running his goddamn mouth, okay? Uh, there's certain parts of town where this guy might reside. They rhyme with Udahe and uh, Milwaukee, but the southern part. Um, so yeah, I had no disrespect to the people that live there. I know there are good people out there, but there's a there's a type, okay? Let's just call it what it is. And fuck that guy. Like, dude, I just disagreed with what you said. I wasn't trying to be... I wasn't trying to be coy. I was, and he's like, well, Mr. Encyclopedia, how many double plays did Christian Walker around into? Like, just fuck off, bud. Like, I, I didn't start anything because I am with my dad's friends. And I was like, you know, just enjoy the game. My dad even was like, yeah, settle down. And and my dad had his eye on him the entire game. Like, my dad was not happy with this dude. And uh, he's like, he was slamming like happy places and and Coors together. He's like wondering why he's fucking fat. That's that's your answer, pal. Uh, drinking all those happy places. I'm sure, I'm sure it really does well for your waistline. And... Like, it's just, look, I, I understand that some people, there's another old guy who was like yelling at Pyamas and was like, You're, you've been terrible all year, about time. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, he's been our setup guy. He's been awesome this year. Like, shut the fuck up. And I understand, look, people go to playoff baseball that don't go during the season. Or people, you know, are there but they're just obnoxious and they're just the lowest common denominator fan and unfortunately we had a few in our section and that happens that'll that that does occur i'm very glad that this south sider did not try to punch me uh because that would have that would not been good i didn't want to fight i told him that i didn't tell him directly i didn't want to fight i was just like hey man i'm sorry like let's just watch the game go brewers and sure enough time fans struck out the guy who wanted walked and then Christian Walker got out, or they walked around Christian Walker and got out Gabriel Moreno. So they actually did the walk thing, but they did it for Walker because he's a fucking beast. And then he was the guy who also hit the two two run single. So uh, yeah, just casually fuck that guy. Like that guy, that guy can fuck off. And I apologize for all the cursing, uh, but it's just sometimes it's warranted, man. Sometimes it is warranted, and you gotta just gotta let him hang and let him fly. All right. Let's talk about some other sports. Let's let's get let's change the vibes and get to some of the other sports in the state of Wisconsin. Starting out with the Milwaukee Bucks, they've had media day. They had their first their first you know training camp, whatever day one. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo shut out the noise about the national media. I didn't check the first takes and the get ups of the world to see if they actually did shut up. But Giannis was on with 620. Shout out to my guy, Tony C, movie refs, if you remember. It's kind of if you know, you know. I uh, was talking to him. They're playing Uno. And he's like, can you just talk once and for all about, you know, people who say you're going to leave? And Giannis gave a great minute-long answer 
explaining how like, hey, I every year, every time I need to sign it, it I get this gets talked about and I just want to win and the Bucks are committed to winning and basically I'm not leaving. And then Giannis also explaining into in the um, media day of like, look, I'm not going to sign an extension right now because it's a lot of fucking money if I sign next year. I'm going to make an extra 70 or $80 million. Why the fuck would I sign it this year? Absolutely correct answer. That's absolutely true. So it has nothing to do with the drama around the NBA and this manufactured bullshit story uh, on Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Giannis is doing his best to fan the flames. I wonder, is he going to fan these flames throughout the season? Usually when Giannis, it's during the year, he doesn't talk much, right? That's why I was interested to see if Dame Lillard is going to kind of be the voice of the books, right? I think as long as Dame and Giannis are on the same page, they have the same vision, I think there is no way that Giannis leaves. I don't see a situation where Dame would run Giannis out of town. Uh, it's, it's Giannis' city. I think Dame knows that. I think Dame's comfortable with that. Uh, I, I just don't see a scenario where Giannis is back. And it's, it's going to be a sad day, bad day for the national media that yet again, they have to cover the Milwaukee Bucks. Damian Lillard seems pleased to be here, called Giannis the best player in the league. I uh, was talking about how he's never been with a big four like this before. He's absolutely right. Marcus Aldridge is the last all-star he played with, and that was in the mid-2010s. Uh, I, I think Lillard is going to enjoy the fuck out of this experience. I don't know how long it will take to mesh and everything to work, but I, I really, really think that this is going to be special. And I think Lillard knows it. I think Giannis knows it. I think the Bucks know it, and I, I just cannot wait to see it on the field, or on the court, excuse me. Uh, Chris had a rest day, uh, some are worried. Uh, Chris also like had a full sweat the day before, so anyone trying to clickbait, clickbait I would recommend to not do that. Uh, Chris Middleton's fine. Don't worry about Chris Middleton. I'm not worried about Chris Middleton. They're making sure that he is perfect for the season. He says knee feels great. He's like ready to go. Um, I'll believe in that. I believe what Chris Middleton says at, for the Milwaukee Bucks. But I'll also say too, I, I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want Chris Middleton to get hurt. But now with Damian Giannis, it makes it a little more tolerable if Middleton were to go down with an injury. But I, I again, I don't want him to. I'm just saying, you know, that. Adrian Griffin says the fifth starting spot's wide open. I love that from Adrian Griffin. Let the guys fight it out. Let the guys figure out, you know, who actually has the crown for the fifth spot. I think, you know, obviously the nominees are Jay Crowder, uh, Pat Conton. I think Malik Beasley would have a, a claim to that. Um, who else? Uh, they say, I think it's said Bobby. No, if I didn't say Bobby, Bobby Portis. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting race to see you know, who does get that fifth spot. What do they start out with in the first preseason game? Will that be a tell? Will it not be? The Bucks play the first preseason game on Sunday. Um, I will not have a take for you on that one. I'll just get out in front of it. Um, you know, this is where like, when you're, you do all the sports, it's, it conflicts sometimes. And yeah, I, I know it, I should watch preseason, but I just can't bring myself to watching preseason hoops preseason basketball, preseason football. 
Um, it's just not it's not my precinct baseball like training camp. Like there was a, a conversation that was had about potentially going to training camp, and I was like, I have like no interest in it. I really don't. Because I just don't want to watch people practice. I want to watch the actual games. Uh, I watch enough games. I don't need to watch practice. It's kind of kind of my personal feeling on that. I know others might disagree, but that's how I feel. But yeah, Bucks game going on Sunday, and I think yeah, the fifth spot's going to be the one to watch. The you know who do they put as that fifth guy with the big four, and what does that look like, and how does Dave mesh a little bit? I, I think those are all fair things to ask about. You know, preseason game number one, but I'm excited for the Bucks season. I can't wait for it to get here. I think if the Brewers do lose tonight or tomorrow, the anticipation for the Bucks is going to get bigger and bigger. I think also if the Packers struggle, I think it gets bigger and bigger. There is a chance, and maybe this is a conversation for Mitch tomorrow or soon. Is the Bucks have a chance to get the championship belt? They have a chance to be the team in the state of Wisconsin, which has never really been the case. Like even when they won the championship, it was still Rodgers. Like remember that crazy stretch because the Bucks win the title, right? They win it in middle of June, late June. Literally that next week, Rodgers comes in to Lambeau and motherfucks everybody. And we just had no room to breathe. And then it was a meet, the Bucks championship was not immediately forgotten. But it, it went into the rear view because everyone was talking about Rodgers. And now with the Packers struggling a little bit and the Bucks being what they are, being a top team favored in the Eastern, in the Eastern Conference and for the NBA Finals, like this is their time to take advantage of it. And we'll see if they, they're able to do it. I think it's, it's obviously critical that the Brewers get eliminated early, the Packers lose. Like it's a weird masochist thing to say because it's like, we want all these teams to lose so that that team can become the guy. But yeah, I, I think the Packers have a chance to get this the Milwaukee slash Wisconsin sports belt away from everybody else because no one else is going for the crown. I also don't think Marquette's popular enough. I will say that, that Marquette could easily have it too for college, uh, but I, I think their impact is really more Southeastern Wisconsin, not a, not a full reaching uh, fan base, but who knows? All right, let's wrap up the show. Speaking of Packers, let's wrap up the show with the Packers. So I had a topic titled Most Important Packers for the Raiders game. And then I realized I'm like, I do important stuff all the time. Like I just important rankings. Like always, I'm like, oh, it's the most important thing. So instead I thought about it and maybe we'll call it most MII, most important influencers. So not like an influencer like Alex Earl, who I mentioned a lot, or Paige Sporanek to, to get sort of the vibes. Um, more like who's going to influence this game? Who's going to win this game for the Green Bay Packers? And when we look back at it, we're like, yeah, that guy had an immediate impact on the game. Number one is Jair Alexander. Uh, Jair Alexander is going to go up against Devontae Adams. I think everybody's excited for it. Jair Alexander's back at practice. Uh, it seems like we are a go for Adams versus Alexander as long as Adams' shoulder is okay. So... I'm stoked for that. Uh, and it's a, it'll be a huge component of the Raiders' offense is get the ball to Devontae. Can Jair compete with that? I know Devontae is going to try to get him on a double move and he's going to try to score a touchdown. I think taking Devontae, we'll talk about it in the betting preview on Friday. Oh, Mitch, actually, we're doing podcasts with Mitch, so maybe we'll do betting preview tomorrow. Oh, we can do it. Whatever. doesn't matter. But anyways, what I was going to tell you is take Devontae first touchdown. I think that would be a wise bet. Um, and not a huge odds, probably plus 600, plus 700, but might be worth might be worth the time. But yeah, J.O. Alexander, man, 
it's totally on him to have a big day if he's going up against Devontae Adams. He wants to be a big dog. This is how you be a big dog. This is how you turn in the guy to start our, our podcast over again. Number two, I'm cheating already because it's a coach. It's Joe Barry. It's a huge Joe Barry game. You have Josh Jacobs. You've, the Raiders have not been running the ball. This should be a Joe Barry masterclass. Joe Barry should show people who the fuck he is. And if Joe Barry struggles against a team that's 32 in run DVOA, even with Josh Jacobs, Joe Barry has to go. There's no way Joe Barry can keep his job if this game is a shootout or the Packers are getting run all over. You can't have another Atlanta. Like, you have to avoid that. This is a team you need to beat, and hopefully the Packers can do it. Uh, number three is Aaron Jones. Uh, ben Sermon said that Jones is going to get a full workload this week. Uh, that's great news. Um, the less A.J. Dillon, the better. Uh, I think that offense becomes so different and so two-dimensional and less reliance on Jordan Love. I've seen some stats on Love, you know, on the completion stuff and the fact that the Packers are on third and longs way too often. Um, and that's all predicated by the running game. So I'm stoked that we're going to have Aaron Jones back. And I, I think he can do some damage against that Raiders defense. Number four, we're going back to a corner position and say Russell Douglas. I, I think if Jair's on Devin, Devontae the entire game, you have to make sure that, that Rasul is buttoned up, whether it's Hunter Renfro inside, whether it's Jacoby Myers, like he has to be a lockdown corner in its own right so that the other guys don't beat you, right? That's that's always the fear. It's like, okay, we're gonna get our main guy locked in on Devontae and that's all he's gonna do. And then the rest of the guys go off, right? You can't have that happen. And that's on Rasul Douglas. Number five is Rasheed Walker. Uh, Rasheed Walker has the task of, of Max Crosby. Um, and that's not fun. And that's gonna be a huge opportunity for Rasheed Walker. And can he step up? Can he live up to the hype that has been put around him? And I think it's for good reason. I think they struggled a little bit against the Lions. I felt like that was more interior than it was uh, with Rasheed Walker. So I'm encouraged by that. Um, and I'm excited to see how he does against you know the best player on the Raiders team. And then really the only one that's in that sort of suit. Well, Tay is too. In sort of that superstar category. Uh, but yeah, it, it should be a good game. Uh, I will say that it's probably, if you're power ranking games, one of the ones I'm not necessarily looking forward to the most. Just because Vegas plays a little bit of a choppy style. The Vegas Packer uh, color scheme will be great. That'll be a great, great color jersey. And and that, that's, that part alone is worth it. I think... The fact that we have to wait so fucking long is killing me inside a little bit and making me a little nervous with the Giants who had that long layoff. Everyone's like kind of liking the Giants and like, okay, the Giants had this long layoff and then they get their asses kicked by Seattle. Now, Seattle is much better than the Raiders. And so I don't expect the Raiders to kick our ass. If the Raiders kick our ass, we got some really, really big problems on our hands because that... That would be no good. That that we cannot have. We cannot have the Raiders just running ramp shot over us. Uh, that's just that's not that's not going to be be the vibe. I think the Raiders they got to win, right? They they beat the Broncos, so they're one and three. So we're not dealing with an own four team. I think that's always scary when you have to deal with an own four team. Uh, there's going to be a ton of Pack fans in that stadium. I, I that that'll be probably ninety percent Pack fans. That might be louder than the Steeler fans. It should be a lot of fun to see all those pack fans and see everybody, you know, the cheese heads. And usually sometimes I hate cheese heads on the road, but in this case, it'll be nice to fill up a stadium 
with all Packer fans, and it's in Las Vegas. All right, I think that's it for today. I don't know if I have anything else. I will be back tomorrow I, by myself, likely, um, then Mitch on Thursday. Um, hopefully, I'm not doing a postmortem on the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, we'll talk about more Packer stuff. We'll do Packer betting preview in case we have Mitch the next day. Um, and we'll we'll see. Well, maybe not. The betting, the betting preview is tough, man. Uh, I, I guess it's probably a Monday show, and we'll get it in Monday. But then I'm like, you don't have time to prepare, right? You don't have time to to hear these picks, although they did not go well uh, against Detroit. So we we have to rebound, and that's that's what we're that's what we're gonna fucking do. Um, I can't remember if I gave over the gave the over. I can check it out right now. Did I give the over? Because if I gave the over, at least we got one. Uh, let's see here. I said, oh, I, I said stay away. So yet another stay away decision I got wrong. So last week I was like, yeah, take the under. I was like, I didn't feel great about it, but I would take the under in a lean. Said the same thing about the over this week, and I was wrong. So there you have it. All right, that does it. Uh, have a good one. We'll see you at American Family Field tonight, and I'll be back to talk Brewers Diamondbacks game number two. Hopefully, again, as I said, not the end of the season. Take care. Bye.